Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Just baseball show for Tuesday, July 25th. We're talking trades, the latest stuff on the rumor mill. We are oh so close to the trade deadline. I think this is the day where it really starts picking up. We're recording uh, mid-afternoon on Monday the 24th. So we just saw the Pierce Johnson thing go down and the latest reports that uh, apparently from Alden Gonzalez, Josh Hader and Blake Snell are not on the market right now. I don't believe that. We're going to get into that. Uh, We're going to get into the Cardinals situation and uh, some certain teams that could be buyers, may not be buyers. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. As always, this show brought to us by... The King of Sportsbooks and BetMGM sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JUSTBASEBALL. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Remember, gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. You said that it, the trade deadline season hasn't really gotten going when Pierce Johnson is now an Atlanta Brave. What do you mean? And Shintaro Fujinami is a Baltimore Oriole. We talked about Fuji at the end of last week, but that's been the two things that have gone down. I mean, Chapman of the Rangers a little bit earlier. If Chapman of the Rangers happened right now, I think like it would kickstart a deadline frenzy. Problem is it happened three weeks ago. And good on the Rangers for getting him before that. Like, The whole thing about the deadline, you don't need to make these trades within the week. (laughs) Like You can trade at any point before this. I agree. And I do wish that general managers cared more about content creators like ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like I'd much rather a trade a day happens rather than nine trades on August 1st, July 31st, because then that one episode is a banger, but all the episodes leading up to are just, well, we smell something weird or we see something that might happen, might not happen, and we just speculate, which is still fun, but it's not quite as fun as a four-team trade. It's not quite as fun as Max Scherzer and Trey Turner heading to Los Angeles uh, for Josiah Gray and Kieber Ruiz. See, I think many would disagree. I think the speculation might be more fun than what actually happens because you get to let your imagination run wild, and uh, that's what we're going to do a little bit today. That's true. That's usually where I'm at my best. Galaxy brain, things that probably won't happen. But if I give out 10 scenarios and one of them hits, I'm a pretty smart guy. 
So we're going to sit here and tell you that Blake Snell might get moved. The major league ERA title holder right now, two six seven coming into play on Monday is the ERA title holder. He is the best rental on the market, not named Shohei Otani, because he has been by ERA, the best qualified starter in baseball. Blake Snell standing on his head right now. And we talked about Blake Snell with, with Walker Buehler yesterday, and he had some great points. Like, this is the best version of Snell. This is the Snell that won the Cy Young, where he's not going to give you 200 innings, but he's going to strike out the world. He's going to sit 97 with that heater, sit 96, 97 with that heater, uh, and, and snap off some devilish breaking balls and it's going to look awesome but apparently again alden gonzalez of espn says that the padres are not thinking that they will depart with blake snell and josh Hader, which feels like a huge mistake and i know that i don't know we talked about it on the friday episode like i guess i can be a prospect hugger i think arm can be a prospect hugger too but you got to build a system if you're under 500 the padres are not I don't believe the Padres are going to make the postseason. I really don't believe it. Um, I If I was in A.J. Preller's situation, I'd be moving Snell. I would be moving Hayter. Yeah, I would definitely be moving Snell. Hayter, I guess I can understand, but at the same time, it's a bullpen arm, so I would put him in the bucket of it's a good time to move him. But, I mean, what a time to move Blake Snell. He has not only been... He's not been the best pitcher on the market, as when I'm saying he is the best pitcher on the market right now in terms of trades, but he's been the best pitcher on planet Earth since June and July. Since the start of June, he has thrown 52 innings, and he has allowed four earned runs, two of them being on home runs. 31 innings in June, a 0.87 ERA, 21 innings in July, a 0-4-3 ERA. If you're going to cash in on Blake Snell, you can sell him as, hey, this is the best left-handed pitcher in all of baseball right now. So there are a couple of things with Blake Snell that always kind of confuse me, right? And we've talked about it before. If he's landing the off-speed, he looks a lot like that pitcher with the race. Yeah. If he's not landing the off-speed, all you got to do is just sit back and hit the fastball. Right now, he's landing the off-speed. So I never truly know, like, is he going to stay hot? Is he going to keep landing the off-speed? Because that's, I think, the key for him. Because it's not like his fastball has leaped, right? It's not improved. It's still that same fastball where the quality of contact is absurd against it in a bad way. Hitters are still hitting his fastball. But he's up the changeup usage. He's actually tripled it from a year before. The curveball has been great, and the slider has been great. It's in the numbers. He's landing the off-speed right now. I just wonder what a package would look like for Blake Snell. I think that's the big thing because my main point of this is you're buying him at peak value. That's yeah. exactly why it's a good time for the Padres to trade him. But if I'm acquiring him, it's going to be the most expensive Blake Snell could possibly be. Yeah, and Snell has such a volatile game. Like you mentioned, if there's a start where he doesn't have the breaking stuff, like he might be fucked. Um I, I don't know. It's somewhere between obviously Otani on the high end and Marcus Stroman. Um, I, I think Stroman Cease. is probably the second. Well, Cease has two years of control. He's in a different bucket. True. I, I yeah, think that's a good point. When you're talking rentals, it's Otani as a clear cut one. I then go to Snell as a clear cut two in the pitching department. And then I go to Stroman as a clear cut three, and he kind of starts everybody else. I think that guy is like firmly between Otani and Stroman. Agreed. Which is tough because I think teams would be there. If I was a GM of a buyer right now, I would say, well, why would I take on Snell, who, yes, has been great, but is so much more inconsistent than Marcus Stroman when I can just go get Marcus Stroman for what I think to be a cheaper price? But Snell, you're also you're gambling a little bit like if you're on the edge here, Snell is a pitcher that could lead you to the playoffs and ultimately dominate or he could kind of be the reason that you don't end up making it. With Stroman, I don't think he has the upside that Blake no. Snell has. No. But we've seen lately from Marcus Stroman, he could have a similar downside as well. So that's why Blake Snell, if I'm a contender on the edge or I'm a contender that's way up there who can afford some of the valleys of Blake Snell, I think he'd be the guy I'm going to get. That's why if I'm the Padres, you've extended Darvish. You've, You've extended, extended Musgrove. Musgrove. 
Are you then going to also pay Blake Snell? I think that's a smokescreen that they're not available. They have to be available because you haven't shown that you're going to lock in with Blake Snell. You but only they, have so much money. You still have to pay Soto. Is he also not available? They're not made of unlimited money. So I don't think they're going to pay Soto. Um, I also think they may pay Snell. I mean, I, I think about, okay, they have big money committed to Darvish. They have big money committed to Joe Musgrove. Where's the other starting pitching? Like, there's not much at all. You got Seth No, Lugo, I agree. They but... should. They should. Like, there's he's... no doubt about it. But he's also 30. I mean, what kind of deal are you going to give him? Four-year deal. Can you take it? Yeah. Maybe. Snell sure. is Snell is like the most underrated career 3-3 ERA guy. Like, he's got a 3-3-2 ERA in his career, which oh, yeah. is he's awesome. Won, he's won a Cy Young. Yeah. It's just... Do you think he would take a four-year deal yes. if he gets close to winning the National League Cy Young this year if he stays with San Diego? Because you said to yourself, 2-6-7 ERA, if he continues on this stretch, if he has the off-speed, he's one of the best left-handed pitchers. If he just has it all year, maybe finishes first or second in National League Cy Young, you think he's taking a four-year deal? No shot. So Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman signed almost identical deals. It was five for, years, 110 for Gosman, five for 115 for Robbie Ray. And the market has only gone up, and Robbie Ray did win the Cy Young, but he didn't have the same track record as Snell, who had won it before. But I, I almost compare Snell to Robbie Ray in that case because Ray was a guy that was like walking six guys per night at one point in his career. Blake Snell is leading Major League Baseball in ERA. He's also leading the National League in walks issued. He's walking five guys per night. So he's just yep. that dominant. Like he's that... But I agree, but wild. the way I'm thinking about it is like Robbie Ray showed us one time when it was like a history of the walks. So, yeah, the, their walks are similar, but Blake Snell's pedigree compared to Robbie Ray's pedigree, I don't even think is close. Like Robbie Ray doesn't have a Cy Young under his belt before that contract. He won a Cy Young and then got a five-year deal. Imagine yeah. Blake Snell saying, I've already won a Cy Young, then I won another one, and you're going to give me the same as Robbie Ray? But He's going to be looking five for six years for ago. And then what if he wins it this year? He's on pace to win it this year. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's going to want a lot of money. And that's why this is a perfect time to trade him if you're San Diego. His yeah. value couldn't be much higher. He's been the best pitcher in baseball since June. The best. Not one of the best. He's allowed three or runs or four in runs in 51 innings, 52 yep. innings. And that's exactly why you should be trading him. Same deal with Hater. Hater was just an all-star. Hater regained some of that. I guess luster that goes around with Josh Hader. And I think that, that they need to capitalize on that. The Cubs need I, to capitalize. Yeah. Hold on. No, I was just going to say if the Padres don't trade last point, Padres don't trade Blake Snell and Josh Hader. Who are you trading that? You're not, you're just staying pad and not doing anything. Yeah. Can you trade Matt Carpenter? Exactly. So Gary, it's like, no, they wouldn't trade Gary Sanchez. He's the catcher of like the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think if they want to have a good deadline and they can, because the White Sox have said that Cease might not be available. And we still don't know if Stroman is available. So he could be the now. one big fish. I know just yeah. like Blake Snell is, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like the same thing. It's like we're just assuming you have to trade Blake Snell if you're the Padres because you will get a huge, huge package. Yeah. Because a contender is going to see him and say he's the, he's the piece. Mm -hmm. How can you not? Look at him right now. I don't know. Um... Cubs could trade Stroman. I think they should. I think they will. Cubs should trade Cody Bellinger because Cody Bellinger's stock can't get much higher than it is right now. And this is so much fun to watch the resurgence of Bellinger. And, and we don't have to stick on this for too long because we talked about it yesterday. But Cody Bellinger, since he returned from the injured list, will we'll start at July 1. He's played 19 games in the month of July. This guy's hitting 452 with 11 extra base hits in 19 games. That's seven homers, 22 driven in, a 1270 OPS and a 237 WRC plus, all while playing really good defense. He's playing first base at a high level right now. He's kind of the first base hole that needed to be filled. He was playing the outfield at a really high level at the beginning of the year. Belly's back. Yelich is back. Bellinger's back. And I think that Bellinger is the crazier one because – you know, Yelich signed a big money contract. He, he's like, he's never really been horrible. He hasn't been Yelich. 
he's been average to even slightly below and he hits the ball on the ground 60% of the time, but like Yelich still provided value. Bellinger, like there were a couple years there where the only value provided was with his glove in the outfield. Like that was it. It was Kevin Pillar type shit. He got non-tendered because he wasn't worth the 20. Cubs paid him. They got a mutual option and Bellinger just made himself a shit ton of money. And I think that he's going to net the Cubs a couple of really strong prospects at the deadline. You think Bellinger's back? I do. A couple of warning signs, I guess, that I'm looking at because 2019 Bellinger, when he won the World Series, this is also Cody Bellinger is the hitting version of Blake Snell, right? MVP in the past, playing some of the best baseball, but there are warning signs. Like with Blake Snell, for example, 267 ERA, 391 expected ERA, right? Because the walks are really high. With Bellinger, right? We look at Woba versus X Woba comparison, right? Just to, See how good your quality of contact has been. And there were years with Bellinger, like in 2019, 430 X Woba. This season, 324. The call, the quality of contact is not nearly the same. So in terms of the difference, right? Something that you like to look at, right? Who's getting lucky? Who's getting unlucky just from a quality of contact perspective? Bellinger ranks third in all of baseball in the difference. The bad kind. Number one is Geraldo Perdomo. Number two is TJ Friedel. Number three is Cody Bellinger. So he's been one of baseball's luckiest hitters. And when you look at a 338 batting average of balls in play, something that is unsustainable for a guy like Bellinger, he's probably going to come down. That's why the Cubs should definitely trade him because I think right now he is at peak value. And I don't think what we've been seeing in these past couple of months is Cody Bellinger. Same thing with Blake Snell. I don't think he's a 087 guy. I don't think he's a 043 guy. This is the perfect time to trade him. Do I think Bellinger is back? No. Do I think he has found something and is finally healthy and might be closer to the 2018 Bellinger? Remember the guy who hit around 270, had a 120 WRC plus, was playing really good outfield defense? That's still a valuable player. Is he the 144 WRC plus guy? No. Is he the 320 hitter? I don't think so. So I think if you are... If you get Cody Bellinger, if you're sitting there and that's your team, right? Let's say you are a, we'll talk about is who might get him, but let's say you are a, there's a team that maybe could trade for him. Give me, give me an example. <laughs> you just took me there. Why are you putting me on the spot right now? Um, I don't know, man. I, I think you can almost think about moving Bellinger and Stroman in a package deal. Yeah, no, I mean, he could be a great Dodger. I think Bellinger could be a good Blue Jay. I think he could be a great left-handed bat on the Blue Jays. Um, I don't know. Like, I think he could be a good Tampa Bay Ray. Um, Let's say you're the Blue Jays. Let's say you're the Blue Jays and you get Cody Bellinger. Don't expect this level. And if I'm a GM trading for him, I'm not trading for that level. That's my point. Minnesota, yeah, I think Minnesota is a great partner in that regard. Um, if they were to go get Pellinger, he immediately becomes their starting center fielder and he can be their five hitter. Um, I guess we had different definitions of back because yes. the, the 19 MVP is gone. Like that Bellinger is never coming back. But this version is a really good baseball player and a four-win player because the defense is that good. I think Cody Bellinger can be a four-win player moving forward. Is he a nine-win player? No. Will he ever recapture that? No. But is he the worst hitter in baseball? Absolutely not. Is he a below average hitter in baseball? I don't think so. I think that that Bellinger is back where he is a 115 to 120 WRC plus guy. I think that's what he can do. Exactly. Like in 2018, 120 WRC plus with a three and a half war. Right? Yeah. And he's just been so good offensively that he's at a 2.8 war right now. But in that year, 25 bombs, 14 steals. He just walked so much more and hit the living piss out of the ball. But now it's the contact quality isn't quite there. But he's still a very good player. I wonder what he'd command. He'd definitely get you a top 100 guy. And with the way he's hitting right now, he might get you closer to a top 75 guy. It's a good prospect. Like if I'm the Cubs, I'm, I'm trading his ass so quick. I am. I'm getting him out of there. No, I mean, because this it, was... I, I, you're right. He's never going to be 2019, but I think some teams might look at him and think of him as a game changer when I don't think he's a game changer. Yeah. Um, I, I I do think that he's a better than an 814 OPS guy. Like, 
In 814 in 2018, he's a 918 this year. I think that Cody Bellinger can be an 840 OPS guy, 840, 850. I think he's the the older guy. But that's telling you that on the team that he's about to go to, he's probably going to have an 814 OPS, right? Because if he finishes the year at 840, 850, that's regressing. I think think that is how I'm looking at it is like over any stretch, I view him as eight forty, eight fifty. So he's good right now. I think like the tough end is eight fourteen. Um, I'm not saying this year will normalize, but like if we were to start this year from scratch, 2024, I think Bellinger can be an eight forty guy. Yeah, I guess I'm just looking, he doesn't walk nearly at the rate. So OPS on base plus slugging. So I think his OBP is going to be generally, you know, in the three forty ish range. Yeah, And the contact quality isn't there. So I don't think the slug is going to last like it's lasting right now. So I think if we're looking at a 340 OBP with the 470 slug, it's an 810 OPS guy. I think that's what he is. Still good. I'll take that. See it. Keep staying healthy. Let's see it. Keep doing it. But that's what I think he is. I don't think he's the 919 OPS that we're seeing. Got you. Um, Staying in the National League Central here. Bob Nightingale had like a notebook type thing, and there were some names in that notebook that jumped out, one of which was Wilson Contreras in regards to the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know how valid the Cardinals actively shopping Wilson Contreras is. I don't know who would want to take on Wilson Contreras right now. Don't be fooled by this July. Wilson, 12 games in July. He's got nine extra base hits, hitting 436 with a 261 WRC+. The funny thing is, He's been so good for two weeks and nobody's talking about it because the Cardinals are bad and Wilson's narrative is already entirely soured for 2023. It's pointless to chat about that. I think the Cardinals, this is the biggest we fucked up deal that we've seen in recent memory. If they actually do trade him for pennies on the dollar and like, Yvonne Herrera is the catcher. Like you had Yvonne Herrera here and you just spent $85 million. You're going to have to eat some of that cash if you move him. But some of the other names were fascinating real quick on Wilson Contreras, like percent chance they trade that guy. I don't think anybody wants it. The percent chance is so tough because this is just a complete guess. I think they were fielding calls for a lot of players on their team. And one team asked, is Wilson available? Sure. And they thought, well, we weren't planning on making him available. But yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't. And then it kind of got out. That's just my guess because it doesn't really make sense that they would just say, oh yeah, now Wilson Contreras is available. Other than they saw him playing well and they're like, okay, yeah, now he's available. That doesn't make any sense, right? No. So I think that's my guess is they were fielding calls on players. A team asked about him. And they said, yeah, well, why wouldn't he be available if you want him? But to your point, is there a team that wants to take on that contract? No, this could just really. Be, this could just be Bob Nightingale like throwing out a name for the sake of throwing out a name. But I bet he heard something. I bet something happened where they said, yeah, sure, he's available. Or people were asking, going through names, is this guy available? Is this guy available? They were asked about Wilson. They were like, yeah. I mean, he's sure. not in our core moving yeah. forward. Like, we don't love the deal. So, sure, if anybody wants to take him, thing is, and it's not like he's some hole. I just don't see a contender needing a catcher that's so that's so offensively gifted but defensively somewhat inept. 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 I don't yeah. think there's a contender out there who's like, yes, we really need an offensive-minded catcher right now. I guess you could say the Yankees, but they're not a contender. So, right. I I don't know. Do you want the Yankees taking on Wilson Contreras? That's not the particularly. Thing. I want every team that could go get Wilson Contreras to view internally and say, "Do we want Wilson Contreras?" Yeah, uh, like I'd want Wilson Contreras if he was on a one or two year deal, not a five year deal. Five year, eighty million dollar deal, eighty five million. No, thank dollars. you. No, well, actually, could Wilson Contreras? Maybe some Galaxy Brain GMs out there are thinking, well... Contreras for Donaldson. Well, yes. Automatic strike zone. Framing won't matter as much anymore. Just give us the bat. Maybe some people are thinking a couple years down the line. We're not... Could be everybody's brain. We're not getting the full ABS. I think that would be a huge mistake to get the full ABS. As somebody that's been watching it all year long, is like full ABS bat, 
Challenge system, good. I like the challenge system. Move forward with the challenge system. Um, other guys that are totally realistic. Three rentals from St. Louis that you can go and get. Jordan Montgomery should be a sought-after left-hander on the market. Jack Flaherty, I think, like he's not going to command a big prospect hall. He's worth a flyer for a good team that wants a five-starter. No doubt. So Flaherty is a free agent at season's end. So is Jaymont. Jordan Hicks is a free agent at season's end. There's always going to be a market for 102. Someone's going to want him. Someone's going to want him. Shit, I would want him on my favorite team. Paul DeYoung has a $12.5 million club option next year. That is getting, I, I guess, like not picked up as, as as quickly as the snap of a finger. DeYoung, do you see much value in Paul DeYoung? Yeah. Like really, I mean, I think he is a... I think he's a slightly below average starting shortstop right now. It's pretty valuable. Does a contender I mean, want that? Depending on what you have to give up. What? Does a contender want that? Like, run through the contenders and tell me who wants Paul DeYoung. He'd immediately better than he'd immediately be better than Miguel Rojas for the Dodgers. Uh-huh. That's an upgrade there. So potentially they could go get him. Marlins, no. Astros, no. I'm just going through the division. Yeah. Twins, no. Guardians, probably not. No. Rays, no. Blue Jays, no. Orioles, no. It's a lot of no's. Red Sox, no. Then we go to the National League with the Braves. No. No, because they have Arcia. Phillies, no. Marlins, potentially. Yes. 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 I would say that's a yes. Um, Mets, yes, because Lindor ain't any good. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, Lindor's been great, sort of. Uh, and the Central... Probably not trading within the division anyway, but the Brewers don't want him. They got Adamas, and the Reds have 78 different infielders and might want to trade Jonathan India. Right. Then you go to the Giants. Brandon Crawford is not good and hurt. So he'd probably either go to the Giants or the Dodgers. And I can see a small move. Dodgers trade one of their their 18th best prospect for Paul DeYoung just to get some, like if they don't want to, if the White Sox say, yeah, Tim Anderson's going to cost you a top 100 guy, they're just going to be like, no, we'll just get Paul DeYoung who's playing better. And he's yeah. not as expensive. Like, that's what I feel a move would be made there. So you floated the idea of a DeYoung-Tyler O'Neill package. I would honestly like a DeYoung-Jordan Montgomery package to L.A. because they have the exactly. prospect capital to do it. Exactly. DeYoung-Jamon or DeYoung-Jack Flaherty to L.A. Jack Flaherty is an L.A. guy. I think it would make some sense. Yep. Um Tyler O'Neill has one year of arbitration left. We had the Tyler O'Neill conversation at the end of last week. We don't need to do it again. Like his value is so skewed because of that one amazing year. And since then, like, I it's just so hard. And frankly, I'm going to be surprised by any return for O'Neill if he moves, because I'll be like, wow, this team really valued him or wow, this team really didn't value him that much. I, I have no idea where his value is. I agree. He's he is one of those players where it's so dependent on the GM. Right. Yes. If I'm a GM of the team, I I would like him. If you're the GM of the team, you Don't wouldn't. So it's like I think it's a case by case basis. So it's whatever team values him the most. And if there's way less of me's and way more of you's, we're gonna see it in the return. Yeah. And and we'll see. We'll see which GMs are Peters and which GMs are Jacks. We'll see. Uh two guys that I think we can agree have a ton of value. And I think this is the way that the Cardinals get better by moving one of, if not both of Dylan Carlson, who's got all three arbitration years remaining and Tommy Edmond, who's got two years of arbitration left. Bob Nightingale mentioned Tommy Edmond in this, in this notebook. And I think that's a name that should be very sought after. I know that the impact is so ridiculously limited. He's a 91 WRC plus guy right now. He's a career 101 WRC plus guy. But we know he is a platinum glove level defender at multiple multiple positions, positions. multiple positions. He is an excellent shortstop. He's the best defensive second baseman in baseball. Hell, he had four defensive runs saved or four outs above average in center field this year, I think. Like, dude, this is an amazing Swiss Army knife. This is if you took Whit Merrifield and put him on crack. I think Tommy Edmond could command a huge haul. And I think that the Cardinals can get better by moving Tommy Edmond. And it's so funny because Whit Merrifield has been Tommy Edmond, but on crack. It's reversed. Tommy Edmond was phenomenal last year. Whit Merrifield was barely impacting the baseball. 
and they just did the Lindsay Lohan thing. What's yes. that movie? Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. They Freaky Friday. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm happy about that one for me. Uh, so they Freaky Friday. Do you believe in Tommy Edmund? And I keep asking myself this because I keep going back to the Dodgers and the Giants because those are the two teams in need of middle infield help. If I'm the Dodgers, who would I rather have? I just, I still believe in Edmund. I still think that he can impact the baseball enough to be an average hitter. And his defense is so damn good at so many different spots. If you want to give guys day off, they also are in need of a center fielder. Like I see Johnny DeLuca out there making some incredible catches, but I don't think that's their center fielder, right? You have a guy like Chris Taylor who has been up and down offensively, more on the downside. I think Tommy Edmond, you basically put him in that role, and then you have Chris Taylor and Tommy Edmond kind of doing everything for you. And, you know, Chris Taylor is the right-handed bat. Tommy Edmond is the lefty. You can kind of platoon him a little bit, even though Tommy Edmond has been better against left-handed pitching. So the more I'm just kind of talking it out, maybe DeYoung is the better option because DeYoung hits lefties better. It's, it's tough because not all these guys are going to put you over the top, but they can just make you better, but not that much better confusing i think tommy Edmond in san francisco would be awesome stanford guy yeah lived in palo alto for three years that's all it's about he just wherever you it. lived when you were 19 that's he where you should play major it. league baseball hey, man, matt olson signed a bajillion dollar deal because he's from georgia jack flaherty southern california that means he's go a dodger LA, or an angel yep yeah giolito's of- a dodger because he's from la yeah it's how that works, man. That's how that works. You know that's how that works. <laughs> that's so, how Jack's braid works. Exactly. <laughs> I Tommy know where they went to high school. <laughs> he went to what? He went to what? La Jolla Country Day. Tommy Edmond did, but he's from Pontiac, Michigan. Tommy Edmond to the Tigers. He was born Tommy in Edmund Pontiac, the Michigan. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, no, I think Edmond makes San Francisco actually much better, and I think that that is a really exciting piece to have in San Francisco as they move forward into a huge money off season where they have so much coming off the books. If you know that you have two years of Tommy Edmond, like that's one less warm body that you got to worry about because you can put him, we just mentioned he's a gold glover at multiple positions. You can put him in center. If you need a center fielder, you can put him at one of the middle infield spots. If you need one of those spots field. So uh, I think that that guy is a perfect fit for San Francisco, but I think Tommy Edmond, any team that gets him is going to be really lucky. It was Whit Merrifield for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Castillo has started some games for the Royals. Samad Taylor, speedster, really good bat to ball. He made his big league debut this year, uh, I think just a month ago or so. Yeah. I think Tommy Edmond's kind of, I think he's going to command something bigger than what Whit Merrifield got. Jonathan India, I think, is another interesting conversation like that, just wrapping on the NL Central. Because India, apparently, he's made available, according to Mark Feinstein. I don't know what India's true value is. India is a really good bat. He's being phased out by rookies. What is that telling opposing GMs? What is that telling teams? What's that telling baseball fans? So if you were to... India's got, what, four more years of control after this? Three more years of control? Edmund has two. Who would you pay a steeper price for? Tommy Edmund or Jonathan in India? Tommy Edmund. And I know that seems weird. I just look at Jonathan India and I say, well, you're an average defensive second baseman where the numbers might even say you're below average, but I'll give you average. I'll give you an average second baseman. Who all the offensive numbers have come in Great American Ballpark and your own team is phasing you out for rookies, Mm -hmm. if I'm the Reds, just put him at DH. Like Tyler Stevenson, if I'm the Reds, I'm looking to upgrade a catcher, and I'm trying to get Tyler Stevenson out. Like that's, I don't think, you're just not going to get the value that you deserve for Jonathan India. And because if I'm a GM, I'm not giving you much for him because I know the position that you're at, and I know the position that Jonathan India is at. Right. With Tommy Edmond, he gives you so much value defensively at so many other places, and then he does have the possibility of impacting the baseball. Right. So the Cardinals, the Cardinals are happy if they hold on to Edmund. The Reds, 
India's presence is a borderline nuisance in the lineup right now for them, and that's why he's available. Yeah, and he won't always be a nuisance. He's just not hitting well right now. So that's why it's like you're, if you're the Reds, you're trading him at arguably his lowest value, not just because of his numbers on the field, but of the perception off the field. So if I'm a team, I'd way rather get Tommy Edmond. But at the same time, if I'm willing to cash in on the Reds, and they're like, yeah, we'll basically sell him for anything. I mean, I'll take it with a flyer. Like it's Jonathan sure. India. I'll take him. For sure. And so it depends and I, on price. Like all things created equal. Give me Tommy Edmond. But if India is cheaper, I need a second baseman. But if I'm the Reds, I would just DH India. And one year of control more is big for India. You're getting two years of Edmund. You're getting three years of India. I'm with you. I would rather have Edmund if I was building a let's win right now type team. And I was looking for a guy that isn't going to be a middle of the order guy. Tommy Edmund is, is a seven hitter or eight hitter on a good team. India a can, nine hitter. Mm, yeah, maybe. But India is a good table setter. Yes. I, I, I didn't know. That's not like a. He's the worst hitter in the lineup, but for a contender, he's probably hitting ninth. But India can be a two-hitter or a five-hitter when he's right. When he's wrong, you know, you want to run out an infield of Ellie, McLean, Steer, and CES. Ellie, McLean, Steer, and CES. Yeah, that's probably what you got to do. Because the thing is, like, Steer is not that good at third. It's They have a gluttony of guys outside of McLean. Like Ellie's not an amazing defender. We yeah, but Ellie's Ellie's fun as shit at third base. Yeah, yeah, and then you put you just got Clayton's a lot of shit. corners. You don't really have like a gluttony of middle infielders. No, but you have one shortstop. So who's yeah. going to play second base? Is it going to be India at an average level? Is it going to be Steer at an average level? I don't know. Is it going to be Senzel? Like it can be Nick Senzel if Definitely you want. Definitely not Senzel. So uh, it, it's a weird, it's a weird conversation. Um, all right, couple more things here. Buster Olney said, "Quote: Rival execs say the Orioles seem to be measured buyers at the deadline. They want pitching. They're willing to trade from their hitter surplus, but they are not looking for big, pricey deals right now." What did I say? Fuck. What did I say? We knew it. Come on. God damn it. Orioles fans, we do it. We do it deep down in our souls. People in our comments don't know it yet, but the people listen to the Just Baseball show who know the Orioles well, big-time Orioles fans, they knew this was coming. You knew it. But at the same time, it's not like you have to. You just beat the shit out of the Rays without getting a big-time starting pitcher. Grayson, since he's come back up, has looked better. He's made changes, which I really like. We can talk about that in a future episode. Might talk about that with Arm. We talk about Grayson's kind of resurgence here, not quite to the level that we expect, but better than what he was. You know, John Means will return. I think the Orioles look at their farm system and say, we don't have to do anything. And that's what I kind of thought they would. Like, just the connection of they have a great farm system, they need starting pitching, so the Orioles are going to do it. They don't do it. They haven't done it. They've had a great... It's not like they just now today got this great farm system. It's not in their nature. Michael Elias, it's not in his nature to make these big-time deals. Do I think they'll make some moves? Yeah. More Shintaro Fujinami-type deals where they feel like they're grabbing a deal, where they don't have to give up much? Yeah. But at the same time, the Orioles don't need to. They're just really, really good without him. But I knew it. When I saw the tweet, I... uh. I took a screenshot of it and put it next to a Jordan Lyles on the Orioles, back on the Orioles picture. So yeah. I was like, that's probably something that they're going to do. Maybe it's not Jordan Lyles, but it's not going to be the top arm on the market. They're not I'll, giving up anybody of really good value. I'll tell you who it's going to be right now. It's going to be Rich Hill, and it's going to be Lucas Giolito, and you're going to be really happy with it. Might not even be Giolito. <laughs> do you Seriously. think they wouldn't pony up for, for two months of Lucas Giolito? Probably not. I don't even know what ponying up is. Giolito yeah, for Norby. Much. Is Giolito for Norby straight up too much? I think Norby is too much for Giolito, yeah. Damn. Don't you? I, like, I don't think so. Yeah, but like they do. You know they do. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so odd. And I don't know. 
they have a legitimate shot at C- they have a legitimate shot at anybody they want. They have the best farm system in recent memory. They could trade for Otani and not really feel it. And they're not going to fucking do it. They're not going to do it, which is I don't it's we're beating a dead horse here, but it's just yeah, so I, frustrating. I just got over it already. Like it's not frustrating yeah. to me anymore. This is how it is. Now, change our mind. Prove us wrong. But we have a, a sample of so many years. But proving and- us wrong looks like Giolito being really good for them or Rich Hill being really good for them. It doesn't look like a huge name going Proving us wrong is going to get Blake Snell or Marcus Stroman or Otani. That's proving us wrong. Getting yeah. Giolito and like maybe giving up Norby, that's not proving us wrong. That's kind of doing what we all thought, that you guys would be buyers, not big-time buyers. Yeah. And the Orioles fans might say, well, this is, you know, the best system we've ever had. And I would agree, but it's not like you've ever had a bad system. Even the past couple of years, you've been able to do this before and you still haven't. So why do I expect for you to do it now? They haven't been here. Like you haven't tasted it like this. They were great last year. But they weren't this. Yeah, they weren't this. They were great. They were great compared to what they were expected to be. They were expected to be a 60-win team. They were, what, 500? A couple games over? Yeah, I'm sure Michael Ice is saying, well, we're first place in the American League East. Why would we leverage the farm in order to get a Stroman? To win, to go to a World Series and possibly win a World Series? That's your answer, Mike. Do you, Yeah, but do you think that he views Stroman as that piece to get him there? I think when he he's should. like, well, I know I have so much in the tank that I could get someone else at another date. Like, does he see the window open now? It's like, has to be now. Like, we view it at that because we see the window right now. But the way they're viewing it is if this is year one. This is year one of a decade-long successful run to the playoffs year in and year out. And right now, we don't need to trade because maybe they don't love Strowman. Maybe they view Snell kind of similarly to I do, that he's at peak value right now, and we're going to overpay for him. And then who else? Giolito, we talked about the Valleys. Do you really want to give up someone for them? So it's like, yes, they can do it, but should they? The more I think about it, I don't think they need to. They're fucking good without any of these guys. This team is so ridiculous. Like, James McCann is the only one with truly committed money on the books for next year. 12 and a half, and I know the Mets are eating some. Michael Givens has a mutual at six. Austin Voth has a club option at two, four, five. And then Kyle Gibson's off the books. Adam Frazier's off the books. Fuji's off the books. That's it. Yeah. They could think they're going to be better next year. They could sign someone and... And finally spend some money, even though they probably won't. <laughs> They'll probably do some low budget deals. And maybe they think I feel the like price... who the Orioles are. We're expecting the Orioles to act like a big market team when they've never shown us that. And maybe they think that the price for a cease is going to be lower in the offseason than it is right now. And I, I understand will. it. It makes sense. It will be lower. Um, and I appreciate like not, you know, almost making more calculated moves as opposed to letting your emotions get the best of you and overpaying for somebody in your eyes. So I do understand that, but that's no fun. Like I want the Orioles to spend big and I want them to rent Shohei Otani. Yeah, but the Orioles have never have never done this. We have no, no they they paid Chris Davis what, $160 million. Had that go for them. They're probably still burnt from that. Yes. I think he deferred some money too. He's gonna be paid for a long time. Yeah. I mean, if I'm them, just keep drafting. Just keep growing from within because they are incredible at drafting. They saw in a draft that there was no consensus, number one, we're going to take Jackson Holiday, And now he's arguably the best prospect in the sport. That's probably their way. They don't need to do any of this right now. Like, they're not in desperate need of a starter. They could use one, but Blake Snell's going to be fucking expensive. Yeah, I just Treller just said he might not be available. That package is going to be big. Yeah, they might not want to do that. They might say, "No, we're overpaying." Their models might say, "Yeah, it would make us better right now, but in three years, it makes us worse." What's more important to them this year or the next ten? The next ten. That's how I always operate. I just wonder. I just wonder what the starting pitching looks like for them moving forward. In 2024, who are your starting pitchers? Tyler Wells, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means back from TJ, 
And then you're looking at Bradish, Dean Kramer, I guess DL Hall, Seth not Johnson. Ro- it's not a bad rotation. But it's not good. It's not a World Series winning rotation. Yeah. If they had Cease at the front of that rotation, how much better would you feel about it? But it's a World Series bullpen and it's a World Series offense. So yeah, you you're not going to have World assets. Series all the way around. You Who need has a World have- Series rotation? Who has a World Series rotation right now that is contending for the World Series in our eyes? The Braves? It's the not Braves. the Dodgers. The Dodgers. It's not the Rangers. It's not the Rangers. It's not the Astros. It's not the Rays. But this is a weird not year. The Blue Jays. I think a better exercise would be to go back and look at the World Series winners and like the best, you know, like they always have World Series caliber rotations. Like they don't, nobody really horseshoes into into a starting rotation that is suboptimal winning a world series. They just don't like you need a stud. You need studs in that rotation. And I Grayson can absolutely turn into a stud. John means could become 50% of a stud. If you got the best version of grace and you paired him with cease and then you had means as the three and Wells as the four, that is so much better. Yeah, no, it makes you feel better, but how good is Dylan cease right now? Like there's a reason, right? He's on the block other than the fact that the White Sox, because if he was having a Luis Robert type year, he wouldn't be on the block at all. But he hasn't been very good this year. So I I, I guess what I'm looking at with the Orioles is, and we're just kind of walking in circles, it's like adding a Cease, a Snell, or a Stroman in our eyes would make you a more legitimate contender for the World Series this year. But I think in their eyes, adding one of those three and trading off big time pieces diminishes says, they're trying to we do have a better for. chance this season but it doesn't mean we're going to win and then it hurts us long term yeah and knowing them they're probably thinking that to the nth degree even more than I'm rationalizing it right now so i doubt they do anything big i really don't and just that coming out kind of seals the deal where it's going to be low budget moves where they don't trade any of their top 10 guys and they're still going to be really good Will they win the World Series? No, because the Braves are probably going to win the World Series anyway. Yeah. Even if they had Cease. Let's say they had Cease and Snell. They're still not better than the Braves, who are getting back freed and right. Might be the best team in the American League. You still got to go through the Rangers, who are unbelievable. Still got to go still through, go through You got to go through Tampa. You got to go through Toronto. You got to go through Houston. There's still a lot there. And they're yeah. not battle-tested in the, in the playoffs. We've seen teams that aren't battle-tested how they do in the playoffs. Not well. We'll see. Okay. Uh, let's wrap with two Hall of Fame players and one other Hall of Famer. Scott Rowland was inducted along with Fred McGriff on Sunday. Pat Hughes got the Frick Award. Pat Hughes is in the broadcaster's wing of the Hall of Fame. Want to uh, shout him out at the tail end. But Scott Rowland, 17 big league seasons, over 2,000 hits, 316 pumps, 1,287 driven in, and 855 OPS, career 70 war. Seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, 2006 World Series champ with the Cardinals, 29 war in seven years with the Phillies, 26 war in six years with the Cardinals. He went in wearing a Cardinals hat. We remember Scott Rowland as a Cardinal, I'm sure, because he was on the other side of Albert Pujols for that World Series in 06. I remember Rowland as a Cardinal. I remember Rowland as an incredible defender, and it's cool that Scott Rowland is in the Hall. Yeah, he's top 10 in war all-time among third basemen. You're top 10 of your position in war. You should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Like, he's sitting right next to, like, Brooks Robinson, not that far away from Chipper Jones. I mean, 15 wins above replacement certainly is, but one of the best defenders at the position ever, very solid hitter, a winner, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Love it. And they don't have much. Remember, we, uh, we did past Hall of Fame episodes where we really made the case for him. Yeah. I'm in the boat that Scott Rowland should no doubt be in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah. all I got. Fred McGriff, the crime dog, a five-time All-Star, three Silver Sluggers, 95 World Series with Atlanta, 19 big league seasons uh, for McGriff, 2,490 hits, 493 homers, 1,550 RBIs, 284 hitter, 886 OPS. He had 53 career war. He bounced around for his entire career. Five years with Tampa, five years with Atlanta, five years with Toronto, three with San Diego, two with the Cubs, one with the Dodgers. He went in with a blank hat, which like makes a lot of sense. How are you going to choose? But this was, you know, 
not not a journeyman because the journeyman is like, hey, you're passed around. He was always a really good player, but he just happened to be on a bunch of different teams. I don't remember Fred McGriff as much as I do Roland because Roland was on those winners and he was kind of a consistent face. But uh, Fred McGriff, I met him very quickly in 18 out on the Cape. He was doing, I think, some scouting and uh, and he was a nice guy. So Fred McGriff, nice guy going to the hole. Yeah, if he had seven more home runs, he'd probably be a first ballot guy. He's a Hall of Famer. It's a Hall 500 of home runs. Took yeah. him six years. The, the lack of consistency probably hurt him on the ballot. Yeah. Like So that was the case. Uh, and then Pat Hughes, real quick, 12 years with the Brewers radio crew, worked with the great Bob Euchre, who's still doing it from 84 to 95. Uh, then 95 made the move to become the radio voice of the Cubs. Worked with Ron Santo from 96 until 2010 when Ron passed. Uh, then he worked with is it Keith Moreland. Yeah, Keith Moreland for three years. And then he's been working with Ron Coomer for 10 years. That guy and Ed Farmer, who's the late voice of the White Sox, are the two that I grew up with on the radio. Pat is the best radio man in baseball. I stand by that. There's nobody I would rather listen to on the radio other than Pat Hughes, the voice of the Cubs. And that was cool to uh, to see him get into the Hall of Fame. Got up Pat Hughes, Hall of Famer. That's it. Give us the big merch. Day for, big day for Jack McMullen. Oh, yeah. So, yes, this uh, episode is brought to you by BetMGM. Remember to use promo code JustBaseball when you sign up for all those great bonus bets and get yourself some Just Baseball merch, people. We have plenty of stuff for the summer. Talking about athletic tees, talking about polos, talking about regular T-shirts. How about a hat? Keep the sun out of your eyes when you're at a ball game. Shout out Tanner Bybee, right-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians, rocking the Just Baseball sweatshirt. Shout out Sal Freelich's brother, rocking the Just Baseball rope hat. Be like them. Get yourself some merch in the episode description. The link is in there. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review. Five stars, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button. Hit that subscribe button. It's free, and it takes five minutes, and it helps us out. Make free content. Make five episodes a week for everybody. And then comment anything that you thought was egregious. Peter, Cody Bellinger is so back. You don't know what you're talking about. Let us know why. Blake Snell is so back. Tell me why. Let us know in the comments. It's Jack. I'm Peter. We'll be back tomorrow. And with that, thank you, everybody.